Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. My name is Dan Slagle. I serve as the care and bridging pastor here at FaithBridge. And I want to extend my welcome to you in addition to those that have already been offered. Uh, welcome to those of you in Center Court East, if you're at Center Court West, at the Woodlands, or if you're coming to us online, we're glad that you're worshiping at Faith Bridge. For the last three weeks, we have been taking a, a good long look at the surrendered life. What does it mean to live the surrendered life in the context of following Christ? And over those three weeks, we have looked at various situations where Scripture calls us to live the surrendered life. We uh, are to be surrendered people as members of society. We are to live as surrendered people in the workplace. We are to live as surrendered people in our everyday relationships. But for the next two weeks, we're going to narrow our focus, and we're going to talk about living the surrendered life in marriage living in a surrendered way to our spouse. It occurs to me that of all the relationships that we have, perhaps the marriage relationship is the most difficult place to live the surrendered life. And it's, it's a bit of an irony. I mean, this is the person that we love more than any other in the whole wide world. This is the person that we would you know, lay down our lives and die for. But the thing is, our spouse doesn't need us to die for them. They need us to live for them in a surrendered, Christ-like way. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to continue to look at the book of 1 Peter. Go ahead and open your Bibles to chapter 3 of 1 Peter. If you need a Bible, our ushers are coming down the aisle. They'll be glad to give you one that can be yours to keep if you have that need. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. And while the uh, ushers are uh, handing the Bibles out, let me tell you a little bit about where we're going uh, over the next couple of weeks. Next week, Pastor Ken is going to be taking up that ever-popular portion of Scripture uh, related to wives submitting to their husbands. Today, though, uh, I'm going to be talking about husbands submitting to their wives. And before we jump into the text properly... Uh, I wanted to begin with just a, a pastoral word to husbands, letting uh, what I'm about to say serve as a, as a backdrop, if you will, to the rest of the message. This uh, passage that we're going to read is specifically directed at those of us who are husbands. And it struck me in my preparation for this message that God could have chosen to talk about anything that he wanted to within the pages of this book. And in his providence and in his wisdom, he saw fit to make a portion of that book directed, uh, to be directed right at husbands. Well, that tells me something. That tells me he uh, is concerned about how we live our lives as husbands. It matters to him. I think you could go so far as to say, because it matters to God, it is a sacred obligation for us, for which one day we are going to be held accountable in God's plan, 
He has appointed husbands to be the leader of the home. And that means, among other things, we set the tone for what happens in our home, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, many other ways. And so as we walk through this uh, passage, uh, I, I hope that you can be keeping in mind that this is uh, not only an obligation for which we will be held accountable, but a tremendous opportunity and blessing that we have that God can use in our lives to help us become the men that he created us to be. We're going to be in 1 Peter 3, just one verse, verse 7. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. Most of you have the NIV, but I think you'll be able to follow along with no, no problem. Peter writes, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Will you pray with me, please? Father, once again, we are so thankful for the privilege and the opportunity to gather in your house, to lift up the name of your son, Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray now that as we turn our attention to your written word, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, just as you promised, and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I've been a pastor now for 20 years, and over that 20-year period, I have had literally hundreds of opportunities to work with young couples in premarital counseling. And every time I, I move through that experience with a young bride and groom, I cannot help but feel a, a sense of, of pastoral compassion for them. Now, don't get me wrong, I am very happy for them, and I'm excited about their life together in the future. But uh, invariably, at some point in the process of working with these young couples, it flashes across my mind, you two don't have the slightest idea what you're getting yourselves into. Like you, you think you do, but boy, denial is full-blown here. And I suppose that's the way God wants things, because if we really knew what was out there, none of us would probably even get married. I've noticed, though, that of the two, the groom is typically the more clueless. In his whole life, I'm talking his whole long life, he has not spent five minutes thinking about what it means to be married. Whereas she, on the other hand, has been thinking about it probably since she was three years old. I heard uh, Gary Thomas uh, tell a story, a true story, that I think illustrates well what I'm talking about. Gary has a friend who's a businessman that went on a trip, found his uh, customary seat by the window, and a few minutes later, this uh, young man sat down next to him. And in a good-natured sort of way, the businessman said, so is this trip for business or for pleasure? And the young man said, oh, definitely for pleasure. I'm, I'm on my honeymoon. And rather mystified, the businessman looked around and said, well, son, where, where's your wife? He said, well, she's a few rows back. It was a really full flight, and we just couldn't work it out to get seats right next 
to each other, and to which immediately the businessman said, well, my goodness, here, let, let me get up. I'll gladly trade seats so you two can sit together. And the young man said, oh, that's okay. I've been talking to her all week. <laughs> now, sad to say, I've observed that there are husbands who are behaving this way, not on their honeymoon, but some of them even approaching their 25th anniversary. It still has not sunk in what's going on here. But Peter has a better idea, a much, much better idea. And what we're going to discover as we walk through this passage is that Peter is giving us husbands two fundamental commands, learn and act learn and act. Now, perhaps you say, Pastor Dan, I don't, I don't see either of those words in this passage in my translation or yours, and you would be right, but believe me, the concepts are in there. And by the time we're done, I think you will see clearly this is what God is calling us to do as husbands, to learn and to act. Peter begins by saying, likewise, husbands. Well, Likewise what? Like what? Well, like every other group that Peter has been addressing in this section of Scripture. Citizens of society, employees, wives, everyday relationships, husbands. Nobody gets off the hook when it comes to this surrendered life thing. There's no male privilege here. Men, husbands in particular, we too are called to live the surrendered life. Life And then Peter begins to unfold how this happens. Husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, in modern English, the word understanding can have several different connotations. One of those is uh, an emotional connotation, such as... uh, an experience when someone is, is relating a difficult time to you, a, a trial that they moved through perhaps, and your response is, oh my goodness, I understand. You're simply uh, expressing empathy and sympathy for that person, compassion. But that's not the way Peter is using the word here. A, a precise, literal translation of the Greek word here would read, husbands live with your wives according to knowledge, according to knowledge. That is to say, you should be a student of your wife. You should be studying your wife carefully. You should know everything that there is to know about her. You should be the resident expert when it comes to learning and knowing about your wife. You should be doing all that you can to learn. What does it mean for my wife? to be loved and served, to be loved and served in ways that are meaningful to her. You know, our tendency is to love and serve other people in the ways we like to be loved and served. But guys, uh, I, I see it very, very rarely in couples that women want to be loved and served in the same way as their husbands. No, they have their own set of needs and desires and wants. And our job is not to love them as we see fit, but to love them as they desire, as they need. Early on in our marriage, this was a cardinal sin of mine. 
my love language, my primary love language is words of affirmation. And if you want me to know that you love me, tell me how great I am. (laughs) Praise me. Notice when I do good things. Music to my ears. That's what fills my heart and assures me, yep, you're on my side. You love me. And a secondary love language for me is uh, stuff. I mean, I, I, I like gifts, especially gifts that I can use. Well, in the early days of our marriage, uh, how did I choose to love Becky? Well, I, I wrote her all sorts of notes and, and poems that told her how great she is. Because I genuinely do believe she is great. And uh, I also bought her a lot of cool stuff, too. I mean, I bought her a Dewalt chop saw. Uh, I bought her a jet wood lathe. Really cool stuff. And she appreciated those expressions. I mean, she still has all of the notes and poems that I wrote for her. And she gets to use the tools more often than I do. So I know there is appreciation for them, but I was not terribly concerned with how she wanted to be loved. What I have since learned is that Becky's primary love language is service. Service. That is to say, when I come home from work at the end of the day and and step into what uh, a professor of mine and Pastor Ken's used to call the arsenic hour, that hour when we're all getting home just before dinner, uh, to demonstrate love to Becky, I'm going to come in and I am not going to flop down on the couch and start clicking through the TV. No, I'm going to come in and I'm going to help with homework. And if there, anybody needs to be taxied anywhere, I'm going to help out with that. And I'm going to help with dinner and the cleanup. Uh, when our girls were babies, that meant helping change diapers and helping with bath time. And, and here's the really important part. Doing it without being asked to do it. Taking the initiative to see, ah, there is a need. There is an opportunity for me to serve my wife, to love her in the way that she wants to be loved. But I didn't know that to begin with. And for too many years, I didn't really trouble myself to learn it. But finally, I bumped into someone wiser than me who began to help me see, no, Dan, you need to... You need to figure these things out. What will make your wife feel loved? And so I would ask you, husbands, do you know what makes your wife feel loved? Not just her love language. Do you know uh, her favorite color? Do you know her favorite restaurant? Do you know what kind of music she likes? Do you know what would make a good vacation for her? Do you know the things that she likes to do? It's our job to know these things. And it's our job to apply ourselves to learning these things. So how do you go about learning them? Well, lots of different ways, but the primary way we learn how to love and serve our wives is by listening. Listening. Now, let's just be honest, gentlemen. I know I am not the only one in the room who finds it a challenge occasionally to really listen to my wife. I think at some point in time, that's a challenge for all men to be good listeners. And there's a reason for that. 
not an excuse, a, bo- a, a bona fide reason. Dr. Emerson Egerichs, in his uh, great book, Love and Respect, points out that men and women communicate for different reasons, different motivations behind the desire to communicate. Men tend to communicate for the purposes of report. Women, on the other hand, communicate in order to build rapport. Men are concerned with the transfer of data, information. I'm telling you something you need to know. You're telling me something I need to know. Transactions done, good, we're okay. That's why I have never in my whole life had a man come walking into my office and say, hey, Pastor Dan, could we just talk? About what? I mean, is there something you need to tell me? But it's another matter altogether for our wives. You see, talking is a means of developing the relationship. It's through talking that women connect with the people that they love. It's one of the means that they emotionally connect with the people that they love. And when they feel connected, that's when they open up. And that gives us a marvelous opportunity to learn. But I see husbands, and I've been guilty of it too, just sort of poo-poo this. They sit there and think to themselves as their wives are talking, why are you telling me all of this? What? I, I, I don't need all the details. I don't need all the extra. Well, maybe you don't, but she does. And when you act as though those things don't matter and act as though you don't care, you're sending a message loud and clear you don't want to connect with me. And she doesn't open up. She closes down. And you've lost the opportunity to learn. Two ways of listening that can bless every husband in the room. The first of those is what our friend Ben Stewart likes to call listening with our face. That's those moments where we are tuned in, one-on-one, absolutely paying attention. There is no TV, no internet, no book, no project, no kids, no nothing. It's us, and I am listening carefully to what you are saying. And let me give you another tip, gentlemen. In these moments of listening with your face, your wife not only wants to know that you really are listening, she also wants to know that you are comprehending what she is saying, that it's getting across, that she is being heard. And so you want to repeat back to her the things that she has said to you. You want to ask questions for clarification. You want to affirm what she's saying so that the message is coming back to her. Oh, okay, not only are you listening, you're comprehending, I am being heard, we are connecting. And she opens her heart and shares with you, and you learn. The other way of listening is what I call sideways listening. And it's every bit as important as the listening with your face. It just happens in a different context. Sideways listening happens when the two of you are doing something together. Going on a trip, preparing a meal, doing yard work, whatever the case may be. You're occupied with something. And she's talking to you about things that are important to her. And it is imperative that even in those moments, you are taking those things in. 
A while back, uh, Becky shared with me uh, in one of those sideways moments a, a situation in her life that was very, very stressful, creating a lot of uh, difficulty in her life. And she told me about this on, on several different sideways occasions. She would mention it from time to time. And it, it, it was one of those situations where I, I was completely out of the picture. I, I didn't know any of the people involved. I had no access to what was going on, nothing I could contribute there, so I just listened. A few weeks later, um, I came home from work one day, and uh, within about a minute, I discerned that uh, my wife was not happy. And within about two minutes, I discerned that she was not happy with me. I'm looking at my watch thinking, man, this must be some kind of record or something. I said, honey, is uh, everything okay? And she said, actually, no, it's not. Well, what's going on? She said, I've shared with you several times about this situation in my life that is really difficult for me, very stressful, and you have not asked me about it one time. Busted. I was listening, but I wasn't learning. But I learned something that day. I learned that it's not enough to listen. It's not even enough to comprehend we then must act. Simply accumulating knowledge is only half the game. We have to act on what we are learning if it is really going to meet the needs of our wives. Peter says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way and show her honor. Show the woman honor as the weaker vessel. To show our wives honor is to treat her in a certain way, to act toward her in ways that are meaningful for her, that communicate love and attention, a desire to be connected, to serve. That's what showing honor to our wives is all about. And I, and I do want to spend a few minutes talking about how we can show honor to our wives. But before we go there, uh, let's pull off to the side of the road for just a minute and address that whole weaker vessel thing. Um, it has absolutely nothing to do with the woman being in any way inferior to the man. That, that is not what Peter is, is getting at here at all. It is solely a reference to the general observation that women are not as physically strong as men. Now, I know that's not across the board. I understand that. I know there are some women out there who are much stronger than many men. I mean, I've watched American Ninja Warrior. I've seen them swinging on the ropes. I've seen the female MMA fighters. I wouldn't get anywhere near them. You know, I'm just five foot six. So don't send me any texts and emails telling me that I, I know. But this is just a, a broad observation on Peter's part about how nature typically works. But there's also a message for men there. In light of the fact that generally speaking, women are the weaker vessel don't you dare take advantage of that, ever. 
Don't ever use your physical strength in a way that would not be honoring to your wife. There are too many men in our culture who don't understand that. As Christians, we should be leading and speaking where this is not being honored. We can honor our wives in literally thousands of different individual ways, but for our purposes here, I, I just want to paint in two very broad brush strokes, two broad areas of honoring our wives. And the first of those is we honor our wives when we show them loyalty. We honor them when we show them loyalty. In their excellent book, For Men Only, Authors Jeff and Shanti Feldhan titled one of their chapters, The Deal is Never Closed. And the point of the chapter is this, that deep in the heart of every wife, even those who are in excellent marriages, there is a fundamental insecurity that needs assurance on a regular basis that her husband still loves her. And she needs to hear it. None of this business about, you know, well, I told you I loved you the day we got married. If it changes, you'll be the first to know. No. She really does need to hear on a daily basis. I love you. You matter to me. That speaks to a fundamental insecurity that's there. I don't know all the whys and wherefores about why it's there. I just know that it's there. And so we have a responsibility as men to show our our loyalty by honoring our wife and speaking words of love and assurance to our wives. We uh, show loyalty to our wives when we refuse to do anything absolutely anything that would ever cause her to doubt our love. We never, never, never take time to look at another woman walking by or worse. We are filling our wives' hearts with assurance and with blessing and with knowledge that yes, she matters. She is important to me. She's number one in my life because you see, here's the thing. These little things that we do, like looking at another woman or worse yet, the big things, it puts doubt in our wives' mind. And when that doubt is there, it takes a long time and a lot of healing for it to be removed. Because women remember things. Haven't you noticed how they remember birthdays and anniversaries and things of that nature? These things stick in their minds. I heard about a guy who went to a a marriage counselor and the counselor said, so what can I do for you? He said, "Uh, I'm here to talk about my wife. She's very historical. He said, do you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She never forgets anything. There is truth in that, my friends. 
Let's don't give our wives things that they must struggle to forget. Let's work at giving them things that they want to remember. Things that will bless them, things that will comfort and assure them, things that will communicate. Not only has he learned about me, but he's acting on what he has learned. And he's blessing me and he's comforting me and loving me in ways that matter to me. We honor our wives when we show them loyalty. One other way that we can show loyalty to our wives, and I readily confess, uh, of everything I'm talking about in this message, this is my growing edge. Uh, There never comes a day that we don't have to pursue our wives Uh, Most men, and and I'm included, tend to feel like, you know, the day we get married, well, hey, that's done. What's next? That's not a way a woman's heart works. A woman needs to know every day, every season of life, I'm still pretty. I still matter. I'm still worth effort. You working to get my attention. You working to demonstrate that you want me, that you love me. Loyalty is one way that we honor our wives. And a second way that we can show honor to our wives is to never miss an opportunity to encourage or esteem our wives. Um, The world is not a hospitable place for women. As a, a, a friend of mine and Becky's tells us from time to time, a female friend tells us, it's hard to be a woman. And it is. I marvel at the things they have to put up with and the things that they have to do. And so they need us to be their number one cheerleader. They need to know that there is somebody in this world who notices them and who values them and who finds them to be important and special and who says so, who praises them in front of the children, who lifts them up, when they're with other people. Uh, This past Thursday, my mom and dad celebrated 67 years of marriage. 67 years. Uh, They're both 90 years old now. And uh, for 54 of those years, I've been around observing for many of those. And I I can tell you in all honesty... I have never heard my father speak of my mother in anything less than absolutely superlative terms, ever. Anyone who knows my dad, who's friends with my dad, knows that my mom is the greatest woman in the world because my dad has told them at some point in time that that is the case. And so taking a cue from my dad... uh, Let me take just a moment of personal privilege to tell you what a great wife I have. You know, it's it's tough being a pastor's wife. I think the only thing tougher is being Pastor Dan's wife. Uh, I am no picnic. I have my quirks and my bad habits and my weaknesses, but my wife has stood with me faithfully for 20 years, loved me, forgiven me, helped me grow and become more and more like Jesus. And uh, I count her a marvelous gift from God and very thankful that she's in my life. 
If you haven't told your wife that lately, before today is over, make sure that you do. Make sure that she knows how special that she is to you. So we learn and we act. Now, why is all of this so important to Peter? What does it matter? Well, look at the very last phrase in that verse. So that your prayers may be unhindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. We want to learn and act not only because it will bless our wives and make them happy, not only because it will yield a much more enjoyable marriage, but there is a spiritual component. There is a spiritual reason why we must do this. What happens on the horizontal plane impacts the vertical plane. God does not divorce the two. Now, it's, it's a bit of a curious addendum, I, I admit, that... He's going along talking about treat your wife this way, treat your wife this way, so that your prayers may not be hindered. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Uh, you, you dads of daughters out there, I, I, I'm a dad of, of three daughters, um, suppose um, they are married, and further suppose that the fellow they're married to doesn't care anything about learning how to love them and never acts upon what he might have learned. He gives them nothing of what they need as a woman and a wife to feel loved and know that they are loved. Now, if this son-in-law of yours comes around and, and wants some of your time to, to solve a problem or just to hang out and talk or whatever, are you going to want to do that? I don't think so. Peter says that they are heirs with us of the grace of life. That means they are daughters of the king. And if we want to be in good standing with the king, we need to be good to his daughter. He's given us the privilege of living with one of them, of being committed to one of them. But he also has the expectation that we will be good to them, that we will learn and that we will act. And when we are learning and acting, even in our sinful, fallible ways, the Father, the King, is pleased and the door is open and the access is unhindered. Now, some of you here today, um, you haven't learned or acted lately, truth be told. And so perhaps the action step for you today is to repent and apologize. To, to repent to God and apologize to your wife and be different. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are other couples here today who are past that. Things are not good and you need help. And so the action step for you is to set aside October the 1st and come up here to Center Court West and attend the marriage workshop. Our very own Ron and Sherry Torbert are going to be leading it. They've been doing marriage ministry for a long time. There is a deep well of wisdom there to be had 
And it's just 64 bucks. It could be the best investment you ever made in your relationship. Don't miss out. God wants to do a good thing in and through you as a husband. He wants to use you to bless your wife. But he needs your cooperation. He needs you to be willing to learn. And then he needs you to act upon what you have learned. In another portion of Scripture, the Apostle Paul tells us, Husbands, uh, love your wives just like Christ loved his bride, the church. And as I thought about that, it occurred to me, uh, learning and acting is exactly what Jesus did for us. He learned of our sinful condition, that we were separated from God, that we were bound for an eternity separated from God. And then he acted. He took on flesh, and he came to dwell among us, and he allowed that flesh, that body, to be broken. And he allowed his blood to be spilled because that's how we needed to be loved in the worst sort of way. We're going to gather at the Lord's table today. And as we do so, I pray that this will be a time for you to think about and evaluate the state of your marriage and to receive through the body and the blood of Jesus the grace that you need to be the husband that God is calling you to be. We have an open table here at Faith Bridge. That is to say, uh, if you have a relationship with Jesus or you would like to, you're welcome to come. Uh, the ushers will be guiding everyone down. And uh, when you come forward, you'll find some gluten-free bread here in the baskets. Just take a piece, dip it in the cup, and partake. You're welcome to stay and pray if you need to. Or you can return to your seats. But let this be a time of meeting with God because he wants to meet with you. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we stand in amazement that when you learned of our predicament, you didn't leave us to our own devices. No, you came and you acted. You loved us in the way we needed desperately to be loved. We needed to be forgiven. We needed to be changed. We needed to be given the hope of resurrection, and you did that for us. But we know you did it at a great cost, the body and blood of your Son. And so we pray now that your Holy Spirit would bless this bread and this juice. May they be for us that body and blood. And may they impart to us the grace we need to be the people you're calling us to be, especially on this Sunday, the husbands that you're calling us to be, that we might serve you and love you, and in so doing, serve and love our wives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day.
Hello and welcome to Postscript. My name is Adam McIntyre and I'm joined today by Pastor Dan Slagle, who just finished part one of our Marriage Matters series. Thank you so much for being here, Dan. Sure thing. Really appreciate it. Now, in your sermon, you talked about the importance of husbands honoring their wives, right. uh, of treating them with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And you made a specific point in your sermon about how men should talk positively about their wives, especially in front of others. And right. so this first question came in and this person wanted to know, don't you think it's a good idea for men to learn to always speak positively? Because as you know, it can be really easy for guys to get together and to start making jokes, that good old boy kind of humor, you yeah. know, the old ball and chain kind of stuff. Sure. And so how important is that for men to always speak positively? R right. About their wives? Well, uh, let me put it this way. It needs to be as important to men as it is to their wives. Okay. I, I think most men slip into that because they really don't understand right. the impact that it has on their mm -hmm. wives. Um, I remember my first job, uh, I was 14 years old. I got a, a job in a steel fabricating plant and um, I had never been around uh, people talking about their wives beyond my dad. Right. So I only ever had a positive example. And I remember my first day in the break room, I'm hearing these guys talking about their old lady and just saying horrible things and, and how completely puzzled I was by all of that. Uh, that has stuck with me over the years that um, the way you speak of your wife, especially when she's not around, is an absolute indicator of how much you honor her. She is constantly the butt of jokes and snide remarks and that sort of thing, then I, I don't think it can be said that you do honor her, that you right. do respect her. And even if you think it's just for fun, right. uh, it's not fun for her. Right, absolutely. And so th there's another question that came in um, where a person wanted to know, um, for those who are not married, for those who aren't husbands, right. um, wives, single women, for men, uh, what does this passage, uh, the First Peter passage, um, have to teach those of us who are not husbands? Right. Well, for women who are not married, let's say women uh, who are hoping one day to be married, okay. uh, this should give them an idea of the kind of man they want to look for. Okay. Uh, yeah. If the fellow that you're dating uh, is not exhibiting these sorts of things, but perhaps even the opposite, then my counsel to you would be to find somebody else right. to date because he's not gonna get all better when you get married. If anything, it's gonna get worse. Right. Uh, so l let this be a lesson to you about the kind of man I want to look for. Uh, let's say for an older woman who's not necessarily looking to get married, maybe she's been married, uh, maybe her husband is deceased, you know, whatever the case. Right. Um, this can be a good point of counsel and talking for the young women in your life that right. you mentor. Uh, you know, you want to paint a picture for them about the kind of man they ought to be looking for. So let it, let it be that. And then naturally for young men, as you think about being married one day, you need to be thinking about, okay, how will I live this out? Right. How will I be this kind of husband in right. my life? Right, so it's a good uh, target to aim for. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So for the woman who is married mm -hmm. to a man who is not acting 
the way that First Peter, uh, the way that Peter's talking about in okay. this passage, uh, for for a woman who's married to a man, maybe who does the complete opposite, like what you were talking about, someone who does not treat them with respect, mm-hmm. who criticizes them, um, who uh, maybe even uses submission as a way to lord power over them in mm-hmm. a negative, hurtful way. Okay. Um, what is the woman to do in that situation? Well, that first I would acknowledge that is a terrible situation. I I can't imagine how trapped Mm -hmm. someone must feel in that. Um, My counsel to that person would be uh, twofold. First, I I would encourage them to come next Sunday. Pastor Ken is going to be talking about wives submitting to their husbands, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he's going to get around to addressing this because this is the situation many women are in. Many women who love God are in. Uh, but over the long term, uh, a, a single sermon or certainly a postscript answer are, are not going to be the, right. the full answer that, that this person needs. I would strongly encourage her to find a good biblical counselor and we can help with that. We have lots of uh, counselors on a reference list here who can really walk with her because I'm sure there are many uh, circumstances surrounding this and uh, many things that this person would need to think about and that can't be done in a sermon or a postscript. So uh, let us point you in the direction of a good counselor and let that person walk with you as you make those decisions. So come next week and hear Pastor Ken maybe even redefine submission for a lot of us who might, sure. might not fully understand what that sure means. Will. Yeah. And then get in contact with us so we can get you in contact with a biblical counselor that can help right. your marriage. Yep. Very great. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Dan, for being here with us today. And thank you all for tuning in. We will see you all next week. Thanks for joining us for PostScript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.